I've been preaching a lot about this. I'm going to kind of just pick up where I was last week and move on if I can. But as he began to talk about Esther, the crime that, that they had committed as a people is that their laws contradicted the laws of earthly government. Mordecai, I said, there's really no reason for you to keep putting up with them. Now, I know we think that in this age we live in, this is the first time that the church has ever felt pressure of the world pushing back against them. That is, a, that is an American uh, shield that we hide behind. In the North American church, we have no clue what it feels like to preach, against uh, to preach through persecution. We have no clue. Our kids go to school and say they're Christians and somebody laughs and giggles and says, oh, you're a Christian. They come home and say, oh, my kid's been persecuted. We have no clue. Oh, you guys dress different. You're, you're silly. Well, we got persecuted. It was rough. And this, is, this has brought us to a place to where, uh, just being brutally honest with you, and if, if you know me, if you're, if you're a guest here today, I want to tell you, I, I, I usually preach a little bit different than this on Sunday, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start slow. If you've been here, you know my heart, but we've, we've come to a place where uh, there is no such thing, none, any longer as being biblically sure and politically correct. You can't do it. You cannot be politically correct and stand for Jesus in the end time. You can't do it. The word of the Lord is always compared in the scripture to a sword. It is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That means it, it cuts going in and it cuts coming out. It's a two-edged sword. And, and, and I, fear, I fear that we have come to the place that uh, we have allowed the word of God to become a lullaby that coddles us to sleep and we use it as some kind of uh, anti-pain medication in the earth and we're just expecting that uh, the word of God's going to be like morphine that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the, the spirit's going to raise the standard. We're not going to feel it. Listen, I'm telling you today that the word of God has always been contrary to the spirit of the world. And if it's not contrary to it today, if the gospel you preach today is not contrary to the spirit of the age, then it's not the gospel. The word of the Lord said that Jesus did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And we have allowed this society to lean in and rather than the church of the living God being able to somehow help the culture and form the culture, we have allowed the culture to help form the church. And the church has become a marketable idea. The church has become business as usual. And I, I, I know where I'm going, but you got to give me a little runway today. The church has become business as usual. It's become something that's marketable. And if it's not marketable, then it's not attendable. Do you realize uh, today that if I were to announce in this morning's service that tonight we will be having church and... Uh, the air conditioners, the furnaces will not be running. We'll have no lights. The sound system will be turned off. 
and we're taking all the church pews out of here today, and we'll be sitting on two-by-fours stuck through concrete blocks a day. I'm just going to tell you right now, the crowd would thin out pretty quickly. There's some things that uh, we're very grateful that we have, but they have become a part of the marketable process of church. But let me tell you the issue about uh, making church a marketable thing, okay? That turns it into business that has customers and if you know anything about business the customer is always right you have a horrible business model if the customer is not right and that's why we buy the truth and sell it not we don't market the truth because the the real truth is that the customer is very rarely right at all until they come in contact with this book You, can, you cannot market truth and, and sell it to customers that want to be right more than they want to be saved. In Acts, the 26th chapter, and uh, in just a moment, I'm going to work my way through uh, 1 Kings. So if you kind of want to, uh, if you kind of want to put your, your finger there in 1 Kings 22, that'll be all right, but... In the book of Acts, the 26th chapter, I'm telling you folks, my heart is stirred today. I, 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 really, I really just did not feel at all like getting up here and going through the motions today. I've got something in my soul that I've, I've, I've got to get this out of my spirit. In Acts, the 26th chapter, the Apostle Paul has been standing before King Agrippa. And he gives this powerful, powerful testimony about how the Lord had transformed his life and Really made a difference in his life. And these words in uh, the 28th verse come out of Agrippa's mouth. He said, you know, almost. Almost. Thou persuadest me. Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You were almost convincing to me. Until Agrippa begins to. Take into account some things here. If I were a Christian, then, then I would be the one that was standing here instead of the apostle. Because this life is going to cost you something. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. And I, I, I was looking this morning. I had a hard time finding it. It was a couple years ago that I had, uh, the Lord had dealt with me. And I, I, I made a post online. And I couldn't find it today. I wanted to remember exactly how it was that I said it, but Acts 26 and 28 almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And the Lord spoke to me and I wrote it down. And he said, no amount of evidence, and think about this, no amount of evidence will convince a man who is comfortable in his disbelief. I don't care how much evidence you present to me about your Christian walk. If I'm comfortable being lost, you're not going to convince me. And that's why I struggle when we have made the point of, of the church as a whole, church growth. In other words, forgive me if this sounds too, uh, too forward today, but it's like the goal of, of the church when pastors talk to one another, well, how you doing? Are you growing? How many have you grown this year? What, I mean, what's your growth? And church growth becomes the goal. Like, how many rear ends can we put in the seats? How many new backsides can we put in the pews? And it's about expanding our kingdom and not expanding his kingdom. Because when we're putting people in seats that have not been converted, we're not doing anybody favors. 
I believe in filling the house. I believe that Jesus told them to go into the highways and the byways and compel them that the house may be filled. But the purpose in filling the house was not to have Facebook bragging rights. It was that somebody who was lost could be found and somebody that was blind could see and somebody that was lame could walk. this morning church has literally become a a, a thing in this in this age that we live in when when I when I look at it and this again if you don't know me please I I want you to get to know before you judge me today on what I'm preaching but I I know if it makes me sick it's got to make God sick and I'm not saying that because God always agrees with me. I'm saying that what the modern church has become. Listen, I, I believe in being hospitable. My family's, uh, my, my family's Southern family. Uh, we believe in being hospitable. I, I, I grew up around uh, Mary Sue Bingham. And you didn't walk in her house and stay thirsty or hungry. She took care of people. When they walked in, she took care of people. When, she, when, when you walked in, she just went to the kitchen, started getting stuff together. And before you knew it, there was a five-course meal laying on the table. I don't know how they did that. It's un- unbelievable. It's like, like that, that widow. It's like whatever was in the barrel just turned to a miracle. And before you, I mean, there's unbelievable dinner on the table. But listen, there's a difference in you coming to my house and you coming to his house. I, I don't come to I don't come to the house of the Lord to just see what kind of table's been set. I don't I don't come. I, I was in a in a uh, in in a metro area the other day. Let me just say that I was in a metro area the other day, and I stopped by a mega church. And I walked in. I went through the bookstore, and uh, you know me, I, I'm always fishing a little bit. And so I got talking to the girl that worked there in in the bookstore. It's a nice bookstore, and. Great big building. We were standing there talking, and I'm kind of playing uh, undercover boss. I'm like, oh, so do you attend church here? She said, well, I worked here for several years, and then a year, a year and a half ago or so, I, I, I decided to start coming here. I thought, oh, that's cool. She said, yeah. She said, I, I have a little girl, and my little girl has some special needs, and she was telling me what was wrong with the little girl and some things she had. And she said, just be honest with you. She said, the church that we were attending didn't offer my daughter anything, and, and a church of this size could really offer my daughter some things. And, and uh, she said, it was a smaller church, and now this one has so much to offer. And I just felt my heart start bleeding. I'm like, at what point did we start judging where we're going to attend the house of God by what kind of special programs it offers? And understand, we want to do our best. You, you understand that. We want to be professional. And we want to put our best foot forward. We want all that. We, we want to do the best that we can at everything we can. I don't want to do anything half-hearted. But I am not predicating my family's eternity on what kind of youth program a church has. I'm going to a church that preaches the truth and my family can be saved. My family can walk with God. I'm not about being small-minded and I'm not about being inclusive. If you know me, you know that's not the truth. But I'd rather attend a church of 15 where my family could be saved than a church of 15,000 that
God. Oh. At what point do we just finally cut it off and say, look, as a, as a religious movement, we have gone too far to consider ourselves still children of God. When you got pastors that have been given platforms to stand for truth and they get up and say, well, there's a new movement coming called Chrislam. We're going to connect heads. You understand that you're saying that Isaac and Ishmael are going to dance together on judgment day? It's not going to happen that way. He has always had a remnant of people that have been separated unto him. And you don't come to God any way you want to come to God. And he's not Allah to you and Jehovah to us. He's not Buddha to you and Jesus to us. There is one true living God and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Oh, God. I'm telling you, I've been under such a heavy load, and, and, and I'm not saying this in a in a braggadocious way, or nor am I desiring to have uh, anyone's sympathy today. I'm telling you, I feel the weight of eternity on me like I've never felt it before. We cannot afford to just come to church every Sunday and make good church our goal. I'm telling you, I am living right now as a testimony of the goodness of God. The reason there's breath in my lungs is the Lord sent me here to preach to somebody today. He can bring you up out of the miry clay and establish Establish your feet on the solid rock today. Oh, God. I thank God for programs that help people. I, I believe in it. I love it. I thank God for it. There's some amazing, uh, some amazing curriculums out there. But you hear this preacher when I tell you that the power of positive thinking has never been comparable to the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and I don't care if they give you 12 steps or 15 steps or how many steps the programs are. If you're not willing to step out of your old life and walk into new life, it's not doing you any good. Oh, I'm trying my best this morning to get to you what I feel like God has put in my spirit and I cannot shake it. Understand me today. I want to give all the offerings that we can to people for programs that will help them. But I still don't believe there's anything like getting shut in with God in a secret place and finding an altar of repentance and letting the spirit cleanse you. We have removed some of the most powerful elements of Christendom from our churches on Sundays for the sake of making seekers feel sensitive and comfortable. Are you hear what I'm telling you? I've pastored people in this church that came to this church because their pastors told them in their former churches, whatever you do, don't worship out loud like that ever again. 
I've pastored people in this church whose pastors have told them, whatever you do, do not be speaking in other tongues like that. Do you understand the power of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? And you're going to tell me it's going to confuse people? Do you know how the church started? The Lord filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they walked out into the street drunk by the power of the Holy Ghost and men and women said, whatever that is, I've got to have it. I don't want to be a denomination. I don't want to affiliate myself with deadheads. I want the power of the Holy Ghost to saturate our church and saturate your family and saturate. I'm not here today to preach on everything but fresh air. But I'm going to tell you something right now. When our families will stop being entertained by Hollywood and start turning our homes into prayer rooms, we're going to see our families come together. Somebody shout amen or oh me. So man, this guy, this guy here, he's kind of wound up. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard preaching like that. I, I, had a, I had a dear friend come with me one time. I'd been inviting him to church for a long time. He'd never been in Pentecostal church. And he came to hear me preach one Sunday morning. When I finished, he walked up to me. He said, uh, hey, bud. He said, uh, you, you may want to consider calming down just a little bit. I said, why is that? He said, man, you're going to blow the top of your head off. <laughs> when you realize how desperate I am for God to get a hold of us. Here we are worried about politics in our nation and the church has been crumbling around us. I want to tell you right now that the Supreme Court will never, ever, ever, they will never legislate righteousness. It's not the court's job to legislate righteousness. It's the body of Christ that's going to have to stand up and let it be known we will not be shaken and we will not be moved. It is hot as Satan's neighborhood up here right now. <laughs> Praise God. Mm. Last week I preached to you about what we were dealing with in the book of Jeremiah. When they did not like what the prophet was preaching. So they said, well, the solution then is to just lock him up in prison. And if we'll lock the word up in prison, then we don't have to put up with the prophet's mouth and we don't have to listen to what he's saying. So they locked him up in prison and the Spirit of the Lord visits Jeremiah in the prison and says, so go get Baruch and get him to get his, get his pen out and get a scroll and I've got something to say to this nation because you can't lock the word of God up. And so, so Baruch records the word of God as Jeremiah speaks it and he takes it to the temple and to the princes and the princes to the king and the king takes it and cuts it up and throws it into the fire and lets it burn up. Listen, we can ignore it and we can 
and act like it doesn't exist. But the truth is what has been written has been written. It doesn't matter if I agree with it. It doesn't matter if I like it. I can throw it in the fire. But it doesn't disregard the power of the word. Oh, we need God to help us in a powerful way today. I'm calling today for an awakening of the body of Christ. I'm calling today for the church of the living God to arise out of our slumber and arise out of our sleep. It's not time for us to sit around and bicker about nuances of what we think is necessary and what's not necessary. I'm going to tell you what I'm standing on today is the forever settled in heaven word of God. And if it's written in the word, I'm not going to debate it because it's not up for debate. I'm not going to fuss because it's not up for fussing. I want to be in alignment with the word of God. In 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter, and I'm just going to walk you through the story because it'll take me more than uh, the 24 minutes that I've got left to preach to you today to get this whole story to you. But 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter, the Bible says that uh, all of a sudden Jehoshaphat just kind of shows up on the scene. This is the first time we've really seen him. He shows up on the scene as the king of the, the southern kingdom. And he comes onto the scene because there is now uh, some... Uh, some transaction that's going on with Ahab and and it's been three years since there's been war between Syria and Israel and Ahab decides that he wants to attack Syria and so he goes to Jehoshaphat trying to connect some dots here with the northern and the southern kingdom and uh, he said hey look I, I, I feel like we need to attack Syria and uh, that that's that's my plan would you like to join in with me and so uh, he said, well, do, do you have a prophet of the Lord? I mean, is there any way we could actually inquire of God? Wouldn't that be something if we would ask God first? He said, what, 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 what would you think before I say yes to you if you were to get some prophets of God that would come in here and sit down with us and talk to us and tell us the truth? What, I mean, what, what would it take if we could just grab hold of a prophet and let the prophet speak to us and so Ahab said oh you know that's not a problem at all I got some guys on my payroll I know these guys how do you know them well because my wife her father worshiped Baal and I bowed my knee to Baal because I fell in love with her and so I took on some of her prophets and I let them prophesy to me because they always say what I like. Read it for yourself. I'm not lying to you. Everybody's favorite prophet is the one that prophesies what they like. Oh, God, it's tied up in here right now. So they sat on the thrones, verse 10. Ahab and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat on their throne. Put on the robes, the void place, the entrance of the gate of Samaria. All the prophets prophesied. How many? All of them. Every single one of them. They prophesied to them. Thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push the Syrians until thou hast consumed them. Verse 12, all the prophets prophesied, saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead, prosper. For the Lord shall deliver into the king's hand 
Woo! This is revival right here when we get a prophet that tells us what we want to hear. <laughs> oh. All the prophets prophesied. The messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold, now the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, and I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. Somebody say good. good. Now, if you've never read this story, let me just fast forward a little bit. This is a prophetic understanding of what happens in a nation when a nation calls good evil and evil good. Mm. Well, what prophets of today are calling good is the antithesis of good. It's not good. And so Jehoshaphat said, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I, I'm not real comfortable with this. These, these cats, man, they're all listening to one another and they're prophesying the same thing. It's like they've got their own account. They're like going back and forth. They've got together on this. They like you. They don't want to hurt your feelings. Is there anybody else that we could have? And, and you, I mean, you, you're more than welcome to read it for yourself. But Ahab said, yeah, he said, there's one more. But I hate him. That's what he said. It's right there in 22. He said, I hate him. Because he never says anything good to me. He said, I hate him. That's why I don't ever use his ministry in the kingdom. It's tight, but it's right up in here right now. I prefer not to use his ministry. He's too, he's too dangerous. Why is he too dangerous? Because he tells the truth. But the truth don't make me happy. No amount of evidence will convince someone who's comfortable in their disbelief. <laughs> Woo! Somebody shout yes. Oh. Well, what, what, what should we do then? Well, I'll tell you, I don't like him, but I, I'm going to get him to come in here and he's going to prophesy. And do you know, I'm not saying this is right, but if, if, if you read it, you're going to find out Micaiah comes in there and he's, he's just a little bit facetious. I can't imagine somebody being like that. But he is. And he walks in and he says, oh, you're going to take Syria over, huh? The saith the Lord. He said, I don't like you coming up in here making fun of me right now. Ahab, he said, I, 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 don't, I don't like this. He said, look, just open your mouth and say it. I know you're not going to tell me anything that's good. So just open up your mouth, get it out of your heart. Say what you want to say. Jehoshaphat wants to hear from you. I don't care about hearing from you. Open up your mouth and say it. He said, okay, here's the word of the Lord. If you go try to, if you go try to take on Syria, it'll kill you. It's not the will of God for you to go. He said, all right, scurry on then, peasant. That's not King James. <laughs> scurry on then, peasant. Get out of here. We don't want to hear your words. Go back and read this later. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Jehoshaphat said, I, well, I don't, I don't really know about that. I, I'm not real sure how to feel about that. And so Ahab said, look, there's no consequence when the majority says it's a good thing for us to do, who really cares what Micaiah says? Now, I'm going to stand up here today and tell you something that not very many guys will preach to you, but you just hear me and let me tell you, not everybody can be right.
I'm not standing up here to sound like I'm arrogant, but you understand this preacher when I tell you right now. If what they're telling you is contrary to what God has been telling you, they are not a man of God. And if they're doing it for increase, they're nothing but a charlatan. I'm afraid that our budgets have gotten bigger than they've ever been and our discernment is less than it's ever been. Oh, God. I'm trying to get to somebody today and help you. It's another king that knows better. It's another king cutting up a scroll, throwing it in the fire, saying, I don't care what he prophesies. I don't like it. So what are we going to do then? Then we're going to ignore him. Now, I'm going to show you all how this happens, okay? It's right here in your Bible. Let me me get to it real quick. I, I didn't have time to read the whole deal. The prophet said to him, he said, I saw, in verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let him return every man to his house in peace. The king of Israel said, did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? Did I not tell you? This guy's never going to, he's never going to side with me. He's never going to say anything that I'd like for him to say. Oh, God, I'm, y'all, I'm telling you, this, this, will, this will rock your world. He said, hear thou, therefore, the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts in heaven on the right hand and on his left hand. And the Lord said, it's about time for me to let this joker start believing what he wants to believe. It ain't truth, but I'm going to let him believe it. And God's talking with the angels, with his host. He said, who shall I talk to right now to persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner and another on this manner. Can you imagine this? Angels talking back and forth. The Lord saying, I'm going to let Elohim figure this out. I'm going to let angels work on this. This is my end. He gave the end. He said, he's going to fall, and it's going to be nasty. Now, y'all tell me, how do you think we ought to go about this? And the angels are talking back. One said on this manner, and the other said on this manner. Verse 21, and there came forth another spirit, an angel stood before the Lord, and he said this, I will persuade him. This is in your Bible. I'm not making this up as Pentecostal rhetoric. He said, I will persuade him and the lord said okay what's your plan wherewith verse 22 wherewith how you gonna do it tell me how you're gonna do it he said i will go for it and i will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets and he said thou shalt persuade him and prevail also go forth and do it now therefore behold the lord who? The Lord, the, Lord. the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. Verse 29, we pick up the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. Why? Because the Lord said he ain't going to listen and I'm going to send a lying spirit into the mouth of his prophets and I'm going to let him believe what he wants to believe because that's what he wants to believe. 
And so they went up anyway, and they went to battle. And the king of Israel said, Jehoshaphat, I'm going to disguise myself and enter into the battle. But put thou on thy robes, and the king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. You know why? Because people who are running from the will of God are always cowards. He said, I'm going to disguise myself because the Lord said I was going to die through Micaiah. And I didn't like it. But just in case the prophet was right, I'm going to disguise myself. The ministry of disguise. Oh, God, if I had time, I'd preach on it. And the scripture said that he's riding in his chariot and someone recognized who he was. And they said that one of the warriors by chance slings an arrow in his direction. Read it. A chance. He shot it. And Ahab's riding along in his chariot. And out of nowhere, it's kind of like the rock that hit Goliath. The arrow goes. Hits him in the shoulder blade. He said, somebody prop me up. I've been hit. Listen, he don't want anybody to know that the word of God is right. You read this, I'm telling you, it's in your Bible. They had him get propped up in his chariot. He's standing there dying. He would rather die with everybody thinking he's right than to repent and tell him God was right. And he's standing propped up in his chariot. And the scripture said that his blood started running out of the chariot. And there he died standing in the chariot. And they took the chariot back and they started rinsing it off. And they washed all of the blood off of it. Why? Because they were erasing the trace of disobedience. If we'll wash it off, we can act like it didn't happen. If we'll rinse it off, we can act like he didn't disobey. Here's what I want you to know. When you really don't love truth and you're willing to come into mutual agreement with some Something that is a lie. There will come a season in your life that God is going to finally let you believe what you've always wanted to believe. And when that day comes, it's a sad day for the kingdom. Oh. This really is a positive sermon. You just got to see the positivity. What's a positivity? I'm going to tell you, I'm positive today that I love truth. <laughs> Can we walk in the Word for a couple more minutes? 2 Thessalonians 2. Listen, I was telling a Bible study this last week. I was telling some of the folks that I was sitting with, I, I hate to call them students, but it's kind of like you know, we're just talking the Word. I was sitting in a Bible study, and I said, let, let, me, let me help you understand something. As of this meeting today, while we're discussing the Word of God, you can't start questioning what it was your grandma believed and whether or not she made it when she died. Well, that's not how my grandma believed. That's not how she was. Bad. That's not, that's not my, my grandpa was a preacher, and that's not what he preached. Did he make it? I'm not God. I don't want to be. I, <laughs> woo. Well, did they make it to heaven? I don't know. But if you don't go, you won't find out. Mm. Y'all feel that holy hush sweep in this room right now? So many of us are worried about, well, what about so-and-so that's already gone? Listen, I'm not saying this to be insensitive. Please know my heart. 
if they're already gone, you can't help them. There is nothing we can do. Nothing. Jesus dealt with this very thing. When, the, when the, rich, uh, the rich man in hell lifted up his voice and he said, listen, go get somebody to tell my brother, please. Just go get somebody. He said, look, if they wouldn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to anybody else. There's a certain place you get to in your life. You don't want to believe truth and you're going to let truth slide by. And then when they're, when they're dead and gone, it's too late. Oh, God. Why didn't somebody go lay hands on Ahab and declare that spirit of death to leave him? Because God had already given him mercy. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying here? You can pick this story apart and say, well, that, that's not fair. It is not fair for God to judge him like that. You, you do understand God sent a voice that said, it's coming. Hello? If you do it, Ahab, it's coming. Just prepare. Ah, it ain't coming. What's rain? Noah never heard of it. Why are you building this stupid ark? We've never heard of rain. What's wrong with you? What was that? What's that dripping in my hair? What? What is that? One of the little kids. But uh, mommy, uh, Noah said it was going to rain from heaven. Rain. Oh my God! You mean what he's been saying all this time is really happening? And they look up, and the door of the ark is closing. You just hear this preacher today when I tell you, there was a lot of stink on that ark. Come on, I'm trying to be as kind as I can. I'm saying as gentle as I can. When you, when you got that many animals on there, there's a lot of stink on the ark. But I'd rather have to step over stink and be safe on the ark than I would to be clawing on the outside of the door because I wouldn't believe what the preacher was preaching. Everybody doing all right? I'm hurrying. I hope your roast isn't burning yet. I mean that literally. That was not a euphemism. I'm... Second Thessalonians 2. This messes me up. I can't even preach this without weeping. Oh, God. We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word or by a letter from us as that day of Christ is at hand. Anybody believe we're close? Let no man deceive you by, by any means. Doesn't this sound like Colossians 2? Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. This is where people start shifting in their seats. Ooh, I don't like this preaching. I don't, I'm not real comfortable. Tell me about a miracle today. I am, the greatest miracle you've ever known is mercy. I, I'm, I'm preaching to you about mercy today. Ahab, you had mercy. 
Jehoiakim, you had mercy. When you threw that scroll in the fire, you were throwing mercy in the fire. I'm preaching to you today about the miracle of mercy. It's there for you right now. He said, there's going to be a falling away. It's going to happen before the Lord comes back. There's going to be a falling away. So if you fall away, don't act like you did it without knowing it was coming. Oh, God, help me preach this today. Who oppose and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Somebody shout deception. Oh, Lord. Got to prove to himself and everybody else that he's God. And I know when you read this kind of stuff and it seems so uh, apocalyptic. How does somebody get that far? I mean, oh my God, how in the world does somebody get so dislocated that they think they're God? Mm. Remember you not? When I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know. What withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. O God. Then shall that wicked be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And shall destroy the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Folks, listen. There's miracles, signs, wonders, and ministry involved. This is all going to be done in the name of God. If, why does he sit in the temple? This, this, is, this is not just literal, it's figurative as well. He's sitting in the, in the house of God acting like he's God, acting like he's godly, and there are miracles, signs, and wonders, and people are going to say, whoa. But the problem is they are lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Here it comes. Hope you all put your seatbelts on for this. This This is not me. I'm telling you, this is in the book. Because they receive not... The love of the truth. That they might be saved. What's he talking about? He's talking about the plan of salvation. They might be saved. He, he, it, it's, it's black and white. They refused this salvation. It said like this in Acts. They neglected so great salvation. Because they received not a love for the truth... That they might be saved. For this cause. We need biblical precedent for what you're preaching, Pastor. It's there. It's not going to be a preacher. It's not going to be a radio station. The Bible said God shall send them a strong... Delusion. For what reason? That they should believe a lie. Verse 12. That they all might be 
damned who believe not the truth. Oh, God, help me with this. But they had pleasure. Folks, you could preach this for just a little while. What's it mean to have pleasure in unrighteousness? They, just, they had pleasure in it? Read through Romans, the first chapter. Them that have pleasure in it said their end result's going to be the same as the one that was doing the evil deed. I'm going to tell you, this is what keeps your old pastor on his knees right here. I pray every day of my life, God, give me a love for truth. Why are you so consumed with one to love truth? Because if I fall in love with truth, I'll never be deceived. Fall in love with truth. Because if you don't fall in love with truth, Ahab, there's coming a day that a lying spirit is going to come down and fill the mouth of false prophets and going to convince you that what you want to believe is really the truth and you're going to believe a lie and you're going to be damned because you had not a love for the truth. Uh. Uh. I don't understand why you Christians feel the need in this hour when so many people need mercy to be hellfire and brimstone preachers. Do you understand that's what mercy is? Mercy's letting you know it's coming. Brother Bailey, I'm convinced the day of the Lord is at hand. I'm convinced it's here. The day of the Lord is at hand. Listen, I, I'm not here to be a fear monger. If you know me, that's not me at all. But I'm telling somebody, this may be the last time you walk into the house of the Lord. This may be the last time you ever walk into the house of the Lord. We don't have time to play games with truth and try to figure out some new way to God and some new way to salvation. Jesus said it. I am the door. And if any man comes in any other way into the fold, he is a thief and a robber. I'm calling to somebody today. It's time to repent of your sins and be baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and be filled with the gift of the Holy goes you can stand I, I gotta quit oh God I, I, I want to say this today I, I want this to get in your hearts I want to say this with all the kindness and the love and the compassion that I can I want to tell you there's somebody who will preach to you and tell you that you're all right just living any way you want to live and that God will accept that. They're not doing you any favors. Some of the most unfair pressure that I've ever felt in my life was when a family expects for me to stand beside a casket and make things up. Oh, God. Can you imagine the wrestling match in the heart of a man when God reveals to him that there is a deeper measure of truth and he wrestles with that for just a little while until finally the Lord says, my spirit will not always strive with man. I'm going to let him believe 
what he wants to believe. I've watched men vacillate and compromise on their doctrine because if they signed a book deal, they'd make more money. Walk away from truth. Be given platforms like you can't imagine. Television shows with millions and millions and millions of people watching. And someone with clout and influence asks them a question. How do you think God feels about same-sex marriage? And the response is, well, I think the gospel is always evolving. Can I tell you all today? There's one thing you will never find in this book. One of several, but one thing you will never find is evolution because it's not evolving. He said, I am God and I change not. He said that heaven and earth would pass away, but my words shall but my words shall never. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. He said, but my word shall never pass away. Every jot and every tittle shall be fulfilled. That is mercy at its finest. Oh, God. Pastor St. Clair, I just don't understand how God would send good people to hell. You've missed his nature. God doesn't send people to hell. People send people to hell. And God was the way of escape to keep me from going there. This is what you need to know. And I'm talking about me and I'm talking about you. I was born to go to hell. I was born on my way to hell. But mercy stepped in and said, there is an escape. There's a way for you to come out, son. Repent of your sins and be baptized in my name. got to believe there's somebody in here today that's been in a wrestling match with God he's been taking you deeper you've you've been seeing things in the word you've never seen before like your eyes it's like you're it's like you're you're in a different place of life you're seeing things you've never seen before you're feeling things when you pray you've never felt before you know why because we're close to the coming of the Lord Man, if I could just get about a tenth of what I feel right now to rest on this congregation, this altar would be full right now. I'm not calling you up here today to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's, that's all part of it. I want you to confess with your mouth. You got to say it. And you got to believe in your heart. But I'm calling somebody today for a life change. True conversion. Where humanity comes in contact with deity and everything that you were is no longer the same. You are a new creature in Christ. And while we're quick to look at the world, I know I've been preaching a long time. And 
people, your crock pots are ready right now. And I, I, I get all that. But listen, as the church, we're quick to sit here and say, oh, yeah, pastor, preach to the world today. I'm preaching to the church as much as I'm preaching to the lost. There's got to be an awakening in us. Some of you, God has been calling you to deeper levels of consecration. He's been calling you to deeper levels of holiness than you have ever known before. You've had to walk past conviction to get to happiness. Come on, I'm talking to you in the prophetic right now. God has been speaking to you, calling you to a deeper place. And you said, but God, if I do that, then people are going to know. God, if I do that, I'm going to have to give this up. And if I do that, pe- people that, that have put their confidence in me, they're going to they're know that you took me to a deeper place. Then that's an indictment on us to lead them. Oh, God. All right, Pastor, just let us go. I can't. I'm reaching for somebody in here today. Listen, stop wrestling with God. Stop wrestling with God. What's it going to take today? What's it going to take for the Lord to get your attention and draw you out of your pew today and step out by faith and say, Lord, he was talking to me. Thank you for sending your word to me today, God. Up until today, Brother St. Clair, I never knew that this that it was even necessary to do that, to be a child of God. I didn't even, I didn't even know it was necessary. But here's the deal. Once we find out it's necessary, then it's incumbent on us to respond to the word of the Lord. What if God's been calling me to deeper standards of consecration I've ever known? Then you better walk in it. Well, is that necessary to go to heaven? Is that necessary for heaven or hell? It's necessary for you if he dealt with you. Oh, God, help us today. Hear me today, church family, when I tell you the enemy is playing for keeps. If you think staying 15 minutes over in a church service is the end of the world, oh, my God, imagine how long eternity is going to be. Oh, I can literally feel the wrestling match in the spirit world right now. I feel it. I feel that inward wrestling with somebody right now. The Holy Ghost has been reaching for you and drawing for you. Oh, God. I know it's easy for me to say because I've got the microphone. But I'm pleading that somebody would quit looking at your watch and looking at your phone right now. And worried about what you're going to do for lunch. And if God's been pushing you this morning and you're feeling that draw. I just want you to obey God right now and say, Lord, I'm willing to lay it all down and give my life to you.